Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our theme of the resurrection found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Our previous passage dealt with the consequences of denying the doctrine of bodily resurrection. Now we come to the certainty of resurrection. Eschatology is the fancy word for the doctrine of last things or Bible prophecy. The special wrinkle of eschatology in this passage is what you could call personal eschatology rather than overall plan for the ages. In other words, what is going to happen to you, not what is going to happen to the whole world. Please listen carefully as Pastor Harris delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, The Resurrection Plan. After he has redeemed all of those who will believe in him, after he has ended the curse on the earth, what does he do? He gives it all to the Father, and the Father ushers in the new heaven and the new earth. There's an interesting little word here. It doesn't stick out to you. Then comes the end, and the next word is when. Innocent-looking little word, but it's, it's one of those Greek words that, like that word but that's kind of a hybrid between our word but and our word and. This one is a, a very indefinite adverb. In other words, by choosing this word, Paul is led by the Holy Spirit to protect the teaching that no one can know, no one can predict when this is going to be fulfilled. It'll be when Jesus is done doing what He's going to do. And he's going to take the kingdom, that's when he is ruling over the entire earth for a thousand years. During those thousand years, Jesus will have completed um, uh, demonstrating his authority over all things and over all people. He will rule with a rod of iron, it says. He will have sub- subdued all of God's enemies. And the final step will be, according to this verse, when He has abolished all rule and authority and power. That refers to Satan and his demons and all who have followed them in rebelling against God. And He's going to have abolished them all. That word abolished is that powerful word we saw back in chapter 13 where it was used to describe God rendering inoperative, null and void, the gifts that are operating now, the same is going to be true of Satan and all who side with him. He'll be silenced forever. He'll be tormented forever and ever in the lake of fire. Now, the next three verses, 25, 26, 27, they're sort of a parenthesis. Verse 24 took us all the way to the final consummation of everything. From where we stand now, we know Jesus is going to come and take those who belong to him the rapture. 
Then there will be the seven years of the Great Tribulation, then the second coming, then the, the, the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, and then the great white throne judgment, and then the new heavens and the new earth. And, and Paul's jumped all the way to the end saying that at the end, the Son's going to give it all back to the Father who will bring in the new heaven and the new earth. Now, he's going to go back and explain a few details about how that comes to pass. So, look at verses 25 through 27. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. You might notice that phrase is an Old Testament quotation. But when he says, all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. All right, so the son is working with the father, and he's going to bring everything under submission to the son. Abolished, same word again. There will come a time when death is abolished, rendered inoperative, null and void. What a thought. What a day that will be. Now, the quotation here is from Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. Feel free to look it up. It's one of those famous messianic psalms. It's all about the Messiah, or a lot about the Messiah. And that psalm is quoted here in 1 Corinthians 15. It's also quoted in Ephesians 1.22, and it's also quoted in Hebrews 2.8. It's very significant, this phrase, He has put all things in subjection under His feet. The Father has brought it all under the authority of the Son. And when Paul says it is evident, he's pointing out what he thinks we should all recognize as obvious. My Son is going to bring the kingdom. He's going to subdue everything. But um, that, even though my son is going to be in charge of it all, that doesn't take away from the sovereignty of the Father. Because in the end, Jesus, who never does anything apart from the will of the Father, He turns it all over to the Father, having done their combined will in bringing about redemption, in bringing about salvation, and bringing about the punishment of all those who have opposed God along the way. So verse 28, the end of our paragraph for tonight. When all things are subjected to Him, then the Son Himself also will be subjected to the One who subjected all things to Him so that God may be all in all. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is not mentioned here, always work in perfect harmony. They do not have competing plans. They don't have alternate realities. They don't have other choices. They all work together. So in the end, God is all in all. You know, there's that chorus that we sing, uh, all in all. Um, it's probably taken from this verse. I, I looked up this expression, all in all, because I know it's here in the Bible, and I found out that when that came to be an expression in the English language, it was actually referring to the uh, omnipresence of God. He's everywhere. The all-pervasive nature of God. He knows everything. He's everywhere 
and He's all-powerful, omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. So God is all things in all places. That's what all in all means. And in the end, God, who spoke everything into existence through His Son, the Word, who became flesh and dwelt among us, He is the one who has it all fully under His control in the end. Now, in this summary of the work of Christ here, in this example that the Son came and did the will of the Father and then gave it all back to Him, in this voluntary submission of Christ to the Father, there is a lesson intended for us. We're not supposed to just say, hmm, now I understand what, how resurrection fits in better. We're also supposed to apply this. I've pointed you in the direction a couple times in the last few weeks toward Philippians chapter 2. Well, here's where the lesson is. Philippians 2, starting at verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, like Jesus didn't. He came and to die for us, but also look out for the interests of others. Now, here's the connection directly to what we've seen in 1 Corinthians 15. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or squeezed or clung to, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You saw it there, didn't you? Therefore, you should have this same attitude in yourself, who gave, in yourself that Jesus had. He gave himself for others. So, that is the resurrection plan. Are you willing to empty yourself and serve like Jesus did and serve Him as He wants you to, all for the glory of God? That's the point of all of this. When it says Jesus emptied Himself, He didn't stop being God. He voluntarily submitted Himself to His Father. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Because that, my friend, is the resurrection plan. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this plan. And we thank You that that we actually are part of this plan, that we actually, by Your grace, are able to, to stand in Christ, to be complete in Him, to be looking forward to the day when we will, well, come forth from the grave, unless we are the ones who are alive and remain until You come to, to take Your church to have us with You forever. So have your way with us. Please teach us the joy of having this attitude in ourselves 
which was that attitude that was in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one in whose name we pray. Amen. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.